that's what the human body's designed for. The body's designed for to adapt so it can survive, but it survives by regulating its energy. So if I'm going to continue to deplete myself, there's a cost to pay for everything we do. Everything. If I'm writing an acceleration program, and it's heavily based acceleration, max velocity, and it's for my skill guys, because I believe in training skill guys like Olympic sprinters, mm -hmm. then you have to make adjustments in the weight room. Because there's nothing that we'll ever do in this weight room. It's going to mimic the forces produced in max velocity work. And to me, maximal strength is a poor indicator of the special strength capabilities of the motor system for the nervous system. 100%. There's nothing we will ever do in a weight room, Justin, you know this, that's going to mimic the forces incurred when these guys go into sprint work or acceleration work. Nothing. We can give them things that help them Correct. through dynamic correspondence. The other two words I think we've got to get rid of is sport-specific. Mm. Are you sport-specific? Like Charlie Francis told me a long time ago, play the sport all year round. There's your, there's your specificity. These guys who invent these exercises in the weight room, gotta be fucking kidding me. They're circus acts. What you uh, field. Now, from uh, a vector standpoint, from an amplitude, from a force standpoint, it may mimic it, which is what we talk about in dynamic correspondence. That's a, that's a difference. But to say we're going to train sports specific in a weight room, <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. I'm just going to tell you that right now. No, you're not. From a bioenergetic standpoint, you can do specific on the field, and that's the development of the energy system. So developing power before capacity. Yeah, that's that's where you're going to do it. But I still see people who are still running 300 yard shuttles, 110s, crossing. I'm like, why? Just tell me why. I don't understand it. Our game is a game of five-second bursts of maximum work. It's not endurance. Endurance work is the ability to sustain a low-level activity for a prolonged period of time. It is an intermittent or capacity sport, the ability to re repeat high-intense efforts over an extended period of time. With, if you think about it, they're all getting, and I've timed it on the field, even up-tempo offenses are still getting 18 to 20 seconds rest. Now, I want to ask you about linemen. What do you think about them? Because we had this conversation in that group chat I was talking with you about. Linemen, little offensive linemen, not defense, they're a little bit more of just like, if you think about it, they might go to the line of scrimmage, block somebody, fall down, get back up, go to the huddle. Like, they might be a little bit more, like, because that was me in my life. Like, I, I was offensive lineman, so it's like, nah, that's pretty fucking tiring, like, to do all that shit and then go to the huddle and go back. Like, that might be a little bit more closer to lactate, but I agree with you that you still don't need to be doing 300s and 110s. No, but. no. And again, if you have a well-developed aerobic system, mm -hmm. your ability to starve off lactate is going to be in place. In James Smith's book... Uh, Which one, the football one or just the regular one? The football one. Yep. Uh, uh, it's on my desk. I'm not even going to reach for it because it's under a pile of papers. But in James, book, James Smith's book, it talks about the development aerobic system must mimic or stimulate the muscles that occurs in a competitive environment or exercise because um, your anaerobic threshold is a direct reflection of the oxidative capacity of the, of the tissue involved in the work. So that tells me my tempo work which is aerobic in nature, mm -hmm. doesn't have to, it's 70% or less, it's not 75%, it's not 80%, intensive, intensive 
tempo work gets that high and borderlines on glycolytic work. And that should be done first. But when you move into regular tempo work as you get closer to the season, and we, we just, here with me, what I'll do is, beginning of the year, my tempo work is 35 second rest intervals. As I get into capacity work, a-lactic capacity, my tempo work volume, I mean my rest intervals go to 45 second. My tempo work always peaks before, or plateaus, before my um, speed work or alactic work. But what I'm trying to say is, as we move closer to camp, all tempo work, position specific. Let them do patterns that are specific to their position. So I may be an offensive lineman, I may pass set for five yards on a diagonal pattern, turn around and finish the, and complete the tempo work, or complete the tempo run in a straight linear fashion or I can do cut tempo runs. But now I start adding in change of direction work or position specific work. And position specific work is gonna be different for everybody. For a DB, I may backpedal 15 yards, turn and break at a 45 degree angle, sub-maximally, and then turn and finish the tempo work. So I think that's the value if you have a well-developed aerobic system as progressed throughout the year and it starts off at linear and starts off with a 35 second rest interval and then starts to progressing to increase in difficulty, then it, you don't have to worry about lactate. And tempo work can be done millions of different ways. It's just not straight ahead. I can add a cut. I can add a position specific. I can do med ball throws after. I can do body weight exercises after. So we're intraset recovery mode. There's many different ways to do tempo work. Just don't lock yourself in to one way. This is how it has to be. Quick break from the show to remind you to hit that like and subscribe button. It helps us out and it helps you be notified when we have new content get released. So again, please hit that like and subscribe button if you enjoy this content. And with that, let's get back to the show. No, this is not how it has to be. You're making it that way. There's multiple variations of everything. So don't say this is this is the best exercise or this is the best way to do it. There is no one best way. We operate in an area of gray, in everything we do as physical preparation coaches. Because it all depends. It all depends on the individual. It all depends on, is my nervous system recovered? I tell my guys, I've told everybody, you have three maxes. You have a competitive max, which is what they train for in a competitive environment. You have a, a testing max, which is the biggest mistake I think college strength coaches make is they have this max effort day, that's mm. day, and it's done under a highly emotional climate or environment. All right, I understand that. Are you going to repeat that same environment every training day? That's literally what I said about this whole Wisconsin. I don't know if you saw it online, but the fucking University of Wisconsin on their social media, they put out their head strength coach. They had lights, literally strobe lights, turned the music, turned the lights off, white and red strobe lights, okay. uh, a DJ, and the kids were wearing masks when they were squatting. And that was exactly what I said on social media. I was like, you're going to do that every other squat session because now you have an inflated max. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. It, no, you're exactly right. It's an inflated max and you can't train off it. You know, if you establish a new PR, you can't train off it right away. No, your 80% is your real 90, and you're going to get buried. Exactly. You've got you've to let the body adjust. So they, they talk about, you know, we've got to stimulate, adapt, stimulate, adapt. How about this? Stimulate, adapt, stabilize. Stimulate, adapt, stabilize. Mm-hmm. The last thing you have to understand is you have a daily estimated training max. Nervous system can fluctuate by 18% every day. In a bench press, that's... 18 kilograms, almost 40 pounds on a daily basis because we have them for an hour or two hours a day. What are they doing the other 22 hours? They're going to affect their body's ability to recover between bouts of intensive work. When you train, you train the uh, 
cardiac, cardiopulmonary detoxification, hormonal, hormonal metabolical, central nervous system, neuromuscular system, uh, immune systems. Those are all systems that are affected by stress. And not all those systems recover at the same point in time. So don't outrun the slowest system to recover. That's why Charlie's high-low approach and what James Smith brought to light, high-low approach, is so beneficial. Because on those low days, you're increasing the ability to handle volume of work. You're also forebrain dominant. You're able to think about what you're doing. So on the hind brain or the high CNS or the high days, you can rehearse those activities that you've ingrained into your system by doing it submaximally at a high level. But then it goes for everything. So now we're, we've finally got a staff here uh, uh, this year that understands the high-low approach to practice too. That's because awesome. You can have a high-low approach in the weight room, but if it doesn't match what's going on in the field, <laughs> it's pretty much fucked. <laughs> yeah, you, you just throw it out the window. Uh, but our new head coach, uh, Jonathan Gannon, understands that. JG understands that. So we put in into place with Shay Thompson and Kyle Sammons uh, the high-low approach in practice too, because it must mimic what you do in the weight room. And the problem is, is, again, we've had 10 weeks to secure that adaptation to the high-low approach. Then you go and chase the guy, that shit goes out the door. So now I call it, and I stole this uh, term off of Lauren Landau, who was with the, with the Denver Broncos for a couple of years, has his own performance center in Denver. It's adaptation confusion. Because now you take them to the far end of the spectrum. This is where they're, what they've been used to, and now you're going to introduce all new concepts. I'm going to run you in the sand. Why the fuck are you running in the sand? We're not playing in the sand. I have never understood that. Sand destroys the elastic reactive response, uh, causes you to stay on the ground for a longer period of time because the ground gives, so you dissipate forces. You take short, choppy steps. Yeah. Take short, choppy steps against somebody that takes that long first step in years or 60 or 40, and you're done. Same thing with a, the same thing with a fucking foot ladder that everybody calls a speed ladder. And you know I have to hit on this. And I'm going to hit on this to the day I fucking die. I'll be with you. <laughs> it's just it's teaching people to go, throw choppy steps, go nowhere fast. <sighs> no force is produced at the hip. I'm stealing something off of Boo Schnecksnader, who I have a world of respect for. Boo said, if, uh, if, pian if, if, uh, oh, if foot speed equated to running speed, then piano players would have the fastest fastballs. And as my good friend James Smith says, taking a quick break from the show to talk to you guys about our sponsor, Team Builder. If you have any online training platform needs, Team Builder is the go-to place. Team Builder has the ability to integrate with velocity-based training tools. They have the ability to program and have notes and videos for all of your athletes and your clients. This is your number one stop shop. Been using it since 2019 when I was working at Towson. So I've used it, love it. Make sure you check it out. Go ahead, click the link down in the description. And with that, let's get back to the show. Those spacings on the foot ladder mimic the stride length of a toddler. <laughs> now, I will get out the foot ladder, and here's what I use it for. Shoulder rehab. Ooh. Make it a weight-bearing shoulder activity. Because yep. the shoulder's a non-weight-bearing joint, so make it weight-bearing. So yep. do the icky shuffle with your hands. Do in and out within your, within your hands. I have my guys plyometrically in and out, in and out, all the way up and back. That's the only time I'll ever pull out a foot ladder. You want to develop foot speed, develop the elastic active response off the ground. You know, it's, it's not always about 
fiber composition, the amount of uh, white to red twitch fiber, uh, muscle fiber. It also comes down, I hate to break the news to everybody, elasticity, mm -hmm. elastic response off the ground. If you look at all Ken Clark's research and you listen to people like Dan Paff, and I'm fortunate to have a close relationship with CDNA, so anytime I'd write an acceleration or speed program, I send it to him and let him red pen it. I'll explain my thought process and he'll tell me if I'm right or wrong. I don't want him to say, yeah, that looks great, B. Don't want that. Just start red penning the thing. I send him videos of Kyler Murray and guys doing dribbling. Is that, nope, not yet. Not doing it, keep him walking. I finally sent him one of Kyler and he says, now he's getting it. Now I got the rolling foot contact because <clears throat> Dribbling is not mini high knees. It's not what it is. It's a step over. And it starts from the ankle, which is circular motion, to the uh, calf, which is more elliptical, to the knee, which is really elliptical, which is like, when I tell people they go over the knee, it's like sitting and taking a six foot six individual and put them on a bike and putting the seat down low. That's dribbling over the knee. So, and like anything, if you give people cues, Justin, those cues, like anything, body, they accommodate it. Gets dirty like a t-shirt, like Dan says. Yep, and not, not the same cue is going to work for everybody. But, you know, the longer I'm in this profession, the more I realize I don't know shit, <laughs> to be honest with you. Which is why my best... Yet you're so about. much better than literally 95% of coaches out there. I mean, just, again, the things that you're talking about, like, these are all things that our members and our listeners need to continue to hear because, like you said, it's the... Uh, personal terrorists and it's the other people out on social media that are doing these things with people like oh look at this footwork quick and it's like no that's not the tried and true you need people that have the ability in these high roles I think one of the best things ever was when Devonte Adams was still with the Packers he was uh he got asked something in an interview and he's like I don't do those things I run routes in the offseason like that's how I get better at running routes exactly <laughs> like put your foot in the ground accelerate get away from somebody Always return to linear acceleration first and put that in place. After linear acceleration, and I'm not a fanatic on cone drills. I think they're brain numbing. Uh, I think they're mind idling. They're program planned and predicted, but they do expose the structure and tissues to forces they may encounter as we progress into more intensive work or more specific work. So I think they, they need to be put back in place. And there's basic like, I'll teach a 45, 90, 135, and reverse pivot around a cone, that's it. That's about as, as cone drill as I get. But once you start running routes, that's all they need. And if you use routes sub-maximally in tempo work, all you're doing is perfecting the route pattern, are you not? So that when you go to rehearse it at a high speed, it's better. We took, uh, last year I used to, when I was training Zach Ertz, we compared his route running from the year before and to the last year when he was running his routes, he was running, uh, uh, creating greater uh, distance between him and the defensive back, but finishing his routes two yards further because his ability to put force into the ground had improved drastically. And it wasn't, for, I mean, there was stuff he can do in the weight room, but it was just from actually doing true speed work and true acceleration work where those special qualities of the nervous system, those special strengths that we developed on the field. 